it feels amazing. I mean, I'm, I'm uh, a little bit lost for words on what it means as a dad. Um, he's got no idea, but um, it's a really special moment for sure. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Bunkered Podcast. Sorry for the delay in getting back to you. I know if you were listening to the Masters Commute at Augusta, you'd have heard me say on the Sunday night that I'll be back on Wednesday and Bryce and I will sit down and we'll have a big Masters debrief. And it didn't happen. I'm not going to lie. Things got in the way. Easter and that. But, you know, for anyone who was worried about me, both of you, mum, dad, I made it home safely. And here we are now ready for another episode. Michael McEwen here, thank you for tuning in and sitting opposite me ready to get into the latest goings on in golf, Bunkered Editor Bryce Ritchie. Good morning. Good morning. Nice to see you again. Yeah, it's been a while. It's nice to be well, sitting uh, across. To be fair, it was last week, but I know what you mean. I know, yeah, back in the studio. It, is, uh, it feels like I've never been away, Bryce. Exactly. Not quite as nice. Not going to lie with the respect of the bosses. Your, previ- your previous yeah. studio. Yeah. My previous studio was good. Yeah, I heard. Very good. But it's good to be back. Excellent. Good to be back. How was your weekend, Easter? Fine. I've had better weekends, Michael. I know you have. And I don't really get the big deal about Easter. What what's like people going mental about Easter? Just a bit strange. I don't remember that when I was a kid. People going insane for eggs and mm-hmm. seemed a wee bit odd. Did your wee boy get an egg? Yeah, he but he doesn't care. He's just not interested. In really? Eggs. Yeah. Not bothered. See, it feels like the number of eggs goes up year on year. When I was wee, if you got one, you were doing well. A wee yeah. girl got six yeah. eggs. You enjoy them. But the trouble is, most of, them, count, so. most of them are Nestle. Oh, no. That's not right. No. If it's not a Cadbury's egg and it's not been in the it's fridge. It's not wanted. I don't oh, it want has it. to be in the fridge. But a significant thing happened at the weekend where I cut my grass for the first time this year. And I tell you what, it looks good. I'm determined to get good grass this year. Bear this in mind, Bryce. You're speaking to somebody who has just come back. Yeah, you know what grass looks like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what I know good that. grass looks like. However, I know what crap grass looks like. Downstairs in the office, I get sent this magazine. Is it Greenkeeping? Greenkeeping magazine. Right. So it was it. What's that called? Greenkeeping Monthly or something? I don't know. And on the front of this magazine was an advert for Pitch Care. They were selling this uh, Greens Master seed. Mm-hmm. Which makes your grass really green. I think greenkeepers use it on green surrounds. I'm putting that in my grass. Well, have you bought ex- it? I've not, I'm going to buy it. It's quite expensive. What I think I'm planning on doing is getting the best grass in my street. Because last year I had the second best grass in my street and it annoyed me. Now I want the best grass. And I'm buying proper green keeping stuff. None of this buying it from Amazon nonsense. No. Going to home base. No, I'm buying the real deal. So, they probably use it at Augusta. Well, they might. But then again, it's a totally different type of grass over there. Whatever. How do you know? Actually, I've got parts of Palmerston Park in my grass. What, the Queen of the South Stadium? For those who are not familiar with Palmerston Park, of which I imagine that is at least 99% of listeners. Watch your mouth. I uh, bought bought some Queen's grass. What? And uh, it's in my lawn, and it's some of the best bits. Really? Yep. Cost me 20 quid. (laughs) (laughs) With which they sign two players. (laughs) Enough football chat. Enough random grass chat. Let's move on to the golf, shall we? Lots happened last week. Jordan Spieth. (sighs) My first question is, how the hell did he win the RBC Heritage? (laughs) We have, people, we have notes. We have notes because we do plan, and I did like that. It says, Jordan Spieth, first note. How the hell did he win? <laughs> I think it is a not just 
a fair question, but is the only Aye. question. Because if anyone was watching the, the final round of the RBC at Harbortown on Sunday night, you'd have seen one of the worst putting displays I think I've ever seen on the PGA Tour by a guy who has then gone on to win the tournament. I know. Missing putts from inside a foot, three putting, left, right and centre. Jordan Spieth, who just a few years ago people were calling one of the greatest putters of all time because that's how hyperbole works. All of a sudden, now he can't seem to get the ball in the hole. I'm not saying he is Will Zalatoris with his stroke, but he is struggling to convert. And yet, there he is. He won the tournament. I've what got, the hell? I've got no idea how, how that... Did he not miss three putts from inside like two and a half mm-hmm. feet in a matter of two weeks? <laughs> just <laughs> dreadful. It's just, I've got no idea how he won because he doesn't look like a player that is in the cusp of winning, and he didn't look like a player that was in the cusp of winning. I've got absolutely... I think that when he was on the 15th or 16th, I thought, well, doesn't look as though he's going to finish this off. Someone's going to surpass him, and everyone else just blew apart. Including in the playoff. I mean, Patrick Cantley positioned A off the tee, then Spieth knocks it into the bunker with his approach. Patrick Cantley closer to the green. I mean, that was an absolutely shocking second shot that oh, he's had. And Stracker should have been in that playoff as well. He he had 172 simple, I think it was a simple, it was a seven iron, it's a simple seven iron in the middle of the green, two part, and he was in the playoff and made an absolute honking mess of it. Yep. So, yeah, shocking. I, I, one thing, I love that golf course. It is cool, isn't it? I think that golf course is brilliant. And I liked what they were saying because it's actually quite penal. If you, if you go in the trees or you go off the, the fairway, you're, it's not straightforward. So you think, how the hell is Jordan Smith, Jordan Smith going to get around that golf course? Because when he's playing, I don't like his. I don't like what he's doing with the whole pre-shot routine. It looks awkward, but he's actually it's actually working. But it just looks awkward for him. And then he gets on the the putting green, and it, things just go from bad to worse. But I think it says a lot about Jordan, the player, that he's got that. He's just got something about Jordan Spieth that I can't quite put my finger on. He grinds better than most. Yeah, he looks like, and it's, this sounds awful, but he looks like he's always playing bad golf. Yeah. But he doesn't, like I thought he looked at the Masters, he looked like he was just hanging on all the time. Everything looked like a struggle. And it wasn't actually that different at the weekend. Yep. But the guys walked out with a win. I know, remarkable, quite honestly. And I've, some of the putts you can put down to brain farts, if I can call them that. I mean, you you go stand over a one-footer and you go to tap it in. And, you know, we've all done that, where it's like you, your focus goes and you're not setting up the ball properly. You've got one foot behind the other, thinking I'll just knock it in. And that's what he did and horseshoed out. I mean, that sometimes can't legislate for lapses in concentration and he seems quite poor for that. Interesting that his wife even said to him, next time you go to just knock it in, Take five seconds, prepare, focus, then hole out. I think he does have a little bit of a a focus issue at times. But in terms of just the overall play, the overall style of play, for me, at times Jordan Spieth looks like he's a 12 handicapper until he hits the ball. Yeah. Like, well, how, how the hell did that happen? Yeah. Which I think explains a lot of the fascination with him because I'm sure I've said this before in the pod, he is one of the most relatable players on tour because everything looks like a struggle. And everything that when I play and when you play, nothing comes easily to the average amateur club golfer. But then the guy could be the guy could say absolutely iconic status in the next few weeks. How is that possible? 
You would have, like, you would have, what is it? I'd need to get my names right. Who's on the Grand Slam list? Ben Hogan, Gene Hogan, Saris, and Tiger yeah, Woods, Saris Jack Nicholas, Gary Player. And Jordan Spieth. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't, <laughs> just, where do you go with that? I'm not slating the guy at all. I think he's incredible, but he's almost the opposite of Tiger Woods in mm-hmm. terms of the, the style of the game. And I noticed a few people saying the same thing about Scheffler. And I do see where it comes from about when they were looking at some of the, like Scheffler's attempts at hitting a draw. No offence, but I can hit a draw. And yet the world number one can't, he literally cannot do it. And he's got the the club at some 90 degree angle where it's not meant to be. Mm -hmm. And you think, how is that? You're the world number one. But it goes to show that's, I genuinely think that's why golf's so fascinating is that well, they're, they're all different. There isn't one way to play the game. And Jordan Spieth exemplifies that probably more than anyone else. You make a great point on the career Grand Slam possibilities. We're just a few weeks away now from the US PGA Championship at Southern Hills, Oklahoma. And if he wins there, then as you say, he'll become just the sixth male in history to complete the career Grand Slam. That... <laughs> I'm shaking my head saying that because for all the reasons that you've just pointed out, you look at the people who've done it, it's a bit of a who's who of golf. And then, as you say, Jordan Spieth. I'm not saying that he doesn't belong in that company. I'm just saying it's surprising he would be in that company. You would be more expecting somebody like Rory McIlroy to be in that company because Rory's got that classic, powerful, talented, just looks like a baller type swing. Jordan makes everything look quite difficult. Yeah. He's like one of those guys, you know when you go to the range and you watch your pal play at the range and you think, he's not hitting that very nicely and it's not got much of a good ball flight, but then he's better than you in the golf course. Mm-hmm. It's that type of thing. He's got that mentality. He can just get it round better than most. But I don't think it's very pretty to watch. No. If you look at quite a few of his wins, you think, I mean, when he won the Open, when he was staring down Kutcher, that was as almost as ugly as it gets. When he won the US Open, he was basically handed that on a platter from DJ just absolutely having the biggest of all brain farts, which doesn't really <laughs> surprise you. You know, it's just, oh, That's the fascination with Jordan Spieth is that over every yes. shot, something brilliant or something awful could happen yeah. on every single shot. And the more he does that sort of crazy pre-shot routine thing, it just gives me why... I can see why he's doing it but then I look at what he's doing and it doesn't look like what he's doing in his actual swing it looks slightly different and it's everyone's at it now Jordan, uh, Justin Thomas is doing it and I don't like what's happening there mm-hmm. all sorts of things have just come I mean he's gone off the rails in the last couple of weeks So did you know that Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth are good pals? yes I know that yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting <laughs> <laughs> that is the new and Augustus Hilly don't you know <laughs> Jordan also now through the $50 million mark in career earnings on the PGA Tour. Only 10 other players have done that. We'll come back to that. Another career earnings stat. Thank Michael. you. And back into the world's top 10, interestingly, as well. That yeah. is significant. A guy at the complete opposite scale to Jordan Spieth in terms of trending and winning majors and all the sort of stuff that we've just been talking about is Anthony Kim. Now, I don't think we have spoken enough on this podcast about Anthony Kim. We've been doing this almost two years, and his name has seldom come up. Which is quite remarkable, really, when you consider, again, 
the fascination that exists around them. And the reason that I'm bringing them up this week, rumours have been steadily intensifying over the past few weeks that he might make a comeback with the new Live Golf Invitational Series, Greg Norman's new circuit, mega, mega rich circuit at that. And the reason that people are speculating Kim could return is because of, well, just that, the amount of money that this new circuit has. If you believe the rumours, Anthony Kim, who hasn't hit a shot competitively on tour for almost exactly 10 years, we're two weeks away from the 10-year anniversary, if you believe the rumours, he stepped away from the game because he accepted an insurance payout. An eight-figure insurance payout. Numbers vary between 10 and 20 million. That is why we haven't seen this guy at all in the last decade. The new Norman-fronted tour has more than enough money to cover the cost of reimbursing that insurance claim, if that's even possible, and to make Anthony Kim's <laughs> potentially rich say, beyond his wildest dreams. Is that possible? Because well, if, I was the, if I was the PR for Norman's tour, I would be doing that. Well, this is the interesting thing. People are talking about it and saying, could this happen, could it not? So I decided to go to Norman's people end of last week and I just asked the question straight up. I asked them, can you let me know if anyone at Live Golf has approached Anthony Kim with a view to being part of this new circuit? And the response I got was interesting. We can neither confirm nor deny this. Now, there's lots of ways to read that, but what it certainly is not is a straight up, no, we've not gone near him. So they may not have gone near them. I may even have given them the idea to go near him. They may have gone to him. Yeah. Or they may just be trying to... Create some buzz. Exactly. Not beyond the realms of possibility though, Bryce, is it? Or is it? No, I, I don't I don't see it happening. He's not hit a ball for... Well, no, he has hit a ball in the last few years, but he's not hit a ball in competitive golf for 10 years. I think his last year on tour was a disaster. I think he played 10 events, made two cuts, withdrew three times, was disqualified once. There is an obsession with Anthony Kim, and I get it. He's He's got almost mythical status. Why? Because he hasn't played for 10 years, and he was so good. But you, he won three times. You know, you can look at his record and say, well, he only won three times. And he's only got three, I think he's got three top 10s in the majors. I think it's not, and but he did get. He's not get eleven. He's, is he not still hold the record for the most amount of birdies in a round yeah, at Augusta, with eleven or something like that? So people think, oh, that's amazing, but it's actually not that great. However, I think he would have been 25, 24, 25, 26. when those things mm-hmm. happened. So to win three times in the PGA Tour by your twenty sixth birthday, yes, that's impressive. He hadn't peaked yet Correct. potentially, and I think when you're getting. People like Rory McIlroy coming out and saying that you're a special player. Then he was on potentially on the way to becoming something special, but then that was it. He just walked away, and that creates mythical status. We never we got the last time we saw Kim, he was in a massive slump. His career was falling apart due to injuries in the main, and there was also yep. a little bit the driver yips was going on as well. If if we're remembering it properly. But it was the injuries, really. That's what seemed yeah. to be the thing that caused him to step away because the money to step away was yeah, so good. but that's the thing. He didn't step away from the game and he was at the top. He stepped away when he was really struggling. So it's a bit straight. And then the, the, the fact that the mythical status 
is amplified is because he's stayed off social media. He's been hidden. He's not been part of that world. And every now and then, I think since he left, I think there's only about four or five pictures of him in yeah, 10 he's, years. he's like Bigfoot. How has he done that? That's actually incredible. And if he did come back, he would be the only player in professional golf worldwide with a tattoo sleeve. I think the thing about Anthony Kim, he was just so interesting. Golf was crying out for a young player at that time, 2006, 2007. Rory hadn't even turned pro at that point, if, if you remember rightly. We're looking for somebody who was going to turn up That's and be the point. new Tiger yeah, Woods. Yeah. And you know, someone to sort of carry on Tiger's legacy. Kim ticked a lot of the boxes. It's flashy. Exactly. Yep. He was a bit of a he was a bit of a brat. You know, he was exactly what golf needed. And I think at times golf still needs. You know, if your daughter showed up and brought home Jordan Spieth, you'd be like, Brilliant, she's found a good one. If she brought home Anthony Kim, you'd be going yeah, there's stories about, about Kim. There's stories about Kim that you can't we can't relate here because he's that he was just that type of guy. And then you know who hard headed, arrogant, very arrogant, exceptionally talented. Did you not body check Poulter at the Ryder Cup? Apparently, uh, Poulter was a bit left. Yeah. He just barged I, straight I into him. Remember the Ryder Cup 2008 at Valhalla? He was integral to that victory. Formed a great partnership with Phil Mickelson, and at that time. Well, people were talking about two things, weren't three things. Valdo's failures as captain, Boo Weekly riding his driver down the fairway like a horse, and Anthony Kim's performance. So he showed us glimpses of what could have been an exceptional career. He showed us glimpses of what was a personality that was very different to what we'd had in golf at that point, and then he disappeared. So I think that explains the fascination with him. And you rightly say he's, he has disappeared. It's not been the case of... He's been showing up at events and outside the ropes. He's not been a pundit. You know, he's, he's not been a co-commentator on TV. He has done... And he's hid- And he's, delib- he's done nothing, you're right. And he's deliberately hidden stories. We hear stories like he's he was seen on a range hitting balls and guys walked up to him and he just picks up his clubs and leaves. Yep. Doesn't want to be seen hitting a shot, which has fed the whole insurance story and whatever and I don't think that's been fully discounted it does seem as though he's taken that payment in order to get the payout so you think what was the injury that did that why would you do that why not just take like 18 months out and recover Mm -hmm. that's what's the head scratcher for most people but the other thing is that some people some people just don't have that desire to do it. I mean, he's maybe made a lot of money. Somebody turned around and said, by the way, we're going to give you, what, maybe $14 million. He's, you know, you'd never know. If somebody stopped and said, right, we're going to give you $14 million right now and you don't hit another ball in professional golf, he's already got $8 million in the bank, I think he had. Mm-hmm. Sponsors as well. He was a Nike guy. Yep. So he's got a good deal with Nike. He's probably making a couple of hundred grand a year with Nike because he was a big star. You think, well... There you go, I've got the best part of 20 million in the bank. He already lived in a massive house. With his pals. With all his friends, who were employed to change the TV channels because <laughs> he didn't know how to work his tellies. You think, maybe I will just chuck it. His desire is completely different from Woods, clearly, because Woods can't exist without competitive golf. Mm-hmm. Anthony Kim can. He's not that. He's not got that burning desire in him. Yeah, it depends on what his motivation was at the outset. Did he want to win majors or did he want to be filthy rich? We don't really know, but we but think we can make a safe is, guess. The other thing is, the PG Tour would love Anthony Kim to come back. Mm-hmm. 
but they're not going to pay for him well, to that, do it. That's exactly the point. So if it's going to happen, it's going to happen now with the live golf money. Yeah, but the other thing is, he's going to be thirty-seven in June. Yeah. What's the point? Well, thirty-seven in June, but Robert Garrigus, who's so far the only player to announce that he wants a release from the PGA Tour to play on it, is forty-four. If you're a 37-year-old Anthony Kim, are you concerned about playing Robert Garrigus? Yeah, well, I would be because, like, you know, if you echo Faldo's comments on the Wednesday of the Masters, he said, if you, if you, he says, we're all golfers. Everyone watching this is a golfer. If you took 500 days off, how do you think your golf would be? He said, that this is thing about Tiger Woods. Yes, he's hitting shots in practice and so on. You take 500 days off competitive golf and turn up at Augusta National. He says it's mind-boggling that somebody can do that. The fact that Tiger did that and made the cut is absolutely astonishing. Now try and do it as Anthony Kim. You've taken 10 years away yeah. from competitive golf. But you're golf. not playing in the Masters. You're not playing against the best players in the world. You're, well, certainly you're won't be because you're playing inside of Arabia. And you're playing against smaller fields. With a guaranteed paycheck, with no cut. It's still up. And it's only eight events. Michael. We're not talking about returning to the PGA Tour and major schedules and playing full calendar. If you're suggesting that that's not a big deal, check yourself. I'm not suggesting it's not a big deal. deal. I'm I'm saying that it's apples and oranges. You could literally shoot 85. I'm saying it's apples and oranges. Your comparison between Tiger showing up and playing the Masters after two years out, or a year out, and Anthony Kim showing up and playing in a, let's be honest, a reduced field event, where he's got guaranteed money, it's just not the same. I'm sorry. I've never, no never, never said it was the same, but it's ten years. It's ten. If you years, don't yeah. see that as a big deal. That's weird. He's not hit a competitive shot a in ten deal? years. When did I say it's not a big deal? It is a big deal. That's why we're talking about it because it would be massive, it'd be monstrous for the game. I think it'd be monstrous for live golf as well. Can you imagine that they are the tour that has got one of the most fascinating players back playing again. If I was them, I would at least be making the phone call. You have to think they would. There's the other thing that his coach, if you remember... That's what I'm saying. Is like Tiger didn't do it for 500 days. I'm talking about 10 years mm-hmm. of comp- no competitive golf. That's outrageous. If you remember his... How do you expect him to turn up and do anything after that? Well, this is what I'm getting to. His coach did say on January 1st, 2021, he posted a picture of himself and Anthony Kim on Instagram, I think it was. And he said it was like, it was a one of those weird, vague captions that this year's setting up to be a great year. That can mean anything, but equally the guy's not daft. Anthony Kim's not daft. They know that he's taking a picture and he's posting this vague caption on social media. People are going to talk. So let's jump right to what is possibly the most extreme outcome. What if Anthony Kim's been working on his game, grinding for the past nearly. 15, 16 months to get his game into position where he can show up and with the greatest of respect the likes of Robert Garrigus just have a go for an absolutely astronomical What I don't understand is how they would have to pay off his insurance if that's the deal which is a phenomenal so he'd be getting double what the other players are getting to turn up Mm -hmm. 40 million and how the hell's he played golf with nobody seen him because he's not going to just stand on a range hidden in a bay somewhere he's going to have to go out and play golf Nobody has seen him do that. So I don't understand. I, I just don't see it. That's what I can't quite get my head around. Is how has he managed to escape being filmed mm-hmm. all the time? You hear stories all the time about people practicing 
at Elworth all the time and who's there and we know people that people that, bump into people yeah. it's a small it is actually a small yes. world not with Kim I don't understand how he's managed to keep it a secret think for a second right allow your imagination to suspend I've already done that it, how it, it incredible would, be, would it be it would be mental he would have taken 10 years without hitting a single competitive shot to then turn up and play against Lee Westwood, Ian Poulter. Allegedly, allegedly. Allegedly, allegedly. Lawyers. Robert Garrigus, Jason Cockrack. These guys are playing at the top on the PGA Tour right now and Anthony Kim would have to mix it with them. That's mind-boggling. At the Centurion Club in St Albans in June. Yes, well, you might skip that one. <laughs> right, another guy who constantly makes headlines, who may himself have to take an insurance payout at some point the way things are going. I'm joking, obviously. Bryson DeChambeau, he is... Well, he's had surgery. The much-anticipated procedure has happened. Bryson uh, revealed last week that he had an operation to fix his hand, effectively. He fractured a bone in his hand, injured his hip when he slipped on a marble floor whilst playing table tennis in Saudi Arabia in February. So he is out of the PGA. Question marks over the US Open... This is a bit of a wake-up call for him, is it not? He's had to basically succumb to what his doctors have been asking him to do, but he's been saying no to for a while. He's had to basically say, right, okay, yeah, you guys are right. I, I just need to I need to bite the bullet, get this done, and go again. Yeah, I think it's all got a bit messy. I mean, he didn't actually tell anyone he was injured until somebody had revealed what had happened because they'd seen it, and then he had to come out on social media. Not great. I de- genuinely don't think he's in a very good place right now and I think he's going to struggle to get back up to speed to where the rest of his, his peers are because he was just miles off it. Augusta, he was miles away. And then he'll have to come back, he'll have to rehab, then get back on it again. Tricky. I don't, he's not going to play PGA. I would very much doubt he'll be at the US Open. He is out of the PGA. There's, yeah. there's no doubt there. US Open. A bit tight. Well, the other thing about the US Open is that if he is going to be hitting the ball off the planet and he's going to be hacking out a thick rough, that's not good for a, an no. arm that's just been operated on. So I think potentially the next time we'll see him might be the week before the Open. I'm not saying he's going to play the Scottish. He has hinted he might. That yeah. was last year, though. We now know that the JP McManus Pro-Am at Adair has taken place on the Monday and Tuesday of Scottish Open week. He would be paid a lot of money. You'd have to think to show up and have a go at that. So yeah. I think he's- we might see him there. Then at the Open where, you know, he can maybe ease his way back into tournament golf. Even out with the, the injury and so on, he's, he's sort of passed. He's, not his career has gone off the rails, but he has sort of gone off the rails in the last six months or so. Why? He's going to struggle to get back. Well, say stupid things and they'll come back and bite you. But he's just he's quite noisy, Bryson. You know, he launched the whole YouTube channel and some of the stuff on that. I've said that before. It's just odd. And now this, you know, at Augusta, he looked like he'd thrown the towel in on quite a few of the holes. I chucked it, which is a bad look. And he's going to really struggle to come back because he's going to come back at one of the at the peak of the year when the rest of the guys round about him have had four or five mm. months playing at top level and he's not going to have that. So uh, if I was Bryson, probably be quite worried. It looks like this year for him is a good six, seven months just been written off. Yeah which is pretty tough considering he's come come into the season with nothing. There is also going to be a lot of people who will be sitting around just now saying, I told you so, with the speed training and trying to hit the ball miles and probably not taking enough time off even just to chill. I mean, the best players in the world 
currently, they're not hitting balls absolutely every day as hard as they possibly can hit them for hours and hours on end. Yeah. So Bryson's approach that's been much maligned, I think there's a lot of people who are quite entitled to say, <sighs> yep, knew this wasn't going to work. Potentially, but the speed training's got nothing to do with the injury. I remember being massively impressed at his performance at the World Long Drive, but his career isn't World Long Drive. His career is what he's doing on the PGA Tour, which he said that's where he wants to be. Well, kind of. <laughs> Let's not go there. Well, that's the thing. Are we even sure that he wants a long PGA Tour career? I know. I, I'll be honest, I don't know what Bryson DeChambeau wants from golf. I know he wants to be successful, but he wants to be successful at everything. It's not just winning majors, it's winning world long drive titles. It's hitting the ball further than any human has ever done. It's playing a style of golf and winning in ways that other people haven't done. He's an odd character. Like when they announced the Netflix show, he didn't want to he said he didn't want to be part of it. He wanted to give other players the The limelight. The limelight, you think. My God. Uh-huh. That's that's smoke and mirrors, though, isn't it? He just wants to not be part of that because he's got a very successful YouTube channel. The other thing I think that people sometimes forget with him is that, yes, he probably isn't as smart as he thinks he is, Yes, but he is incredibly savvy. From what I'm led to believe, Bryson has a stake in all of the main businesses that work with him. He's not just taking money and checks. It's not a sponsorship agreement like that. He has equity in these businesses, the likes of Regency and Edel and all these other companies. So he's making smart decisions. I don't see other players setting up a YouTube channel and filling it with the content on a regular basis like he is. He's keeping the revenue from that. The PGA Tour isn't taking any cut of that unless he's paying for the rights that you know Phil Mickelson had a bit about. You can spin about. that round so the other way. he's quite smart with what he's you doing. You can spin that round the other way and say maybe he's not smart because as soon as he started the PGA, the YouTube channel, his career's gone downhill. So he's got too many distractions. Potentially, yeah. yeah. The one thing we've said about Rory is if I've always said Rory would just Shush a wee bit <laughs> and carry on with the golf. And it, it, it does look as though Rory's done that in the last few months. You know, he's not gone out his way to do certain things. Maybe not that much, but Bryson's quite, as I keep saying it, he's quite noisy. Yeah. He loves the limelight. But when things are not going great, people want out the limelight. And that's where he, he is. He can't right have now. it both ways. Can he have it both ways? Yeah. Think what Rory's got, and he's an interesting one to compare to. He's got balance just now. Bryson doesn't seem to have any kind of balance. He just has an awful lot of everything. and Maybe needs to winnow back. Is it too overdramatic to say he's a wee bit of a crossroads in his career at the moment? Well, it's a bit, he's, I don't know if it's a crossroads, but he's in a big hurdle and he's got to overcome it. But this year, year looks like it could be a bit of a write-off. Still a young guy, 28, 29. Yeah, he's got a long if you're going to have a bad year, you may as well have it now. Yeah. Injuries are, as people write them off sometimes, but injuries hurt golfers. Yeah. They do, because they, they stop your form, they stop all the momentum you've got, and that's what's happened right now. Bear in mind, he was the most famous golfer in the world for a while, about a year ago, and everyone was talking about him, so we, this guy could do this. There's now been, what, two, three Masters gone by, and he's not figured since he's since he made those stupid comments. Yeah. He's just done nothing in it, so he's got a lot to answer for, to be quite honest. Right, before we go to the break, I'm going to circle back to Jordan Spieth. You're looking at your notes, you're not going to find it there. I know, I'm thinking... <laughs> So, as I said, Jordan Spieth is the 11th player to break through the $50 million mark in PGA Tour career earnings. Who are the other 10? Oh, God. I'll leave that with you, Mr. Ritchie, and you listening. We'll come back to it a little bit later in the show. Loads more coming up in this week's episode of the Bunker Podcast right after this. 
think speed, we think about speed tuning every aspect of the new Rogue ST drivers. Really? I just think about hitting bombs. Yeah, past him. When we think total power, we think of our tungsten speed cartridge. A what speed cartridge? I don't know, but I like what it does. When we think max distance, we think... Oh, that's bomb! With our fastest, most stable driver ever, there's only one thing you'll think about. Nastier bombs. Think speed. Go rogue with Callaway, the kings of distance. Welcome back. Part two of this week's episode of the Bunker Podcast. Bryce is currently scribbling names down furiously, but the brow has now furled. You may have hit a bit of an obstacle block trying to work out the top 10 players on the PGA Tour career money list. As I said before the break, Jordan Spieth got to number 11, the 11th player to pass the $50 million mark in career earnings with his win at the RBC Heritage and the challenges to work out the other 10. Oh, there's a lead being put on the pen. No, I'm, I'm, this has confused me. It's quite tricky, this actually. Okay, well, look, you've got a bit of time. We'll circle back to it a little bit later. I would rather just get out of the way and fail. Can't possibly. I want the I want the listener to have the opportunity as well. You're going to get it. See, just think about it. You will get it. I have confidence. I'm thinking. I have confidence. I have belief in you. I don't have any confidence or belief in me. Well, let's start talking about the Masters then and see if any names jump out. Because, as I mentioned, we weren't around last week to do this, so the Masters debrief starts here. And enough dust has settled, I think, since Scotty Scheffler stuck on the green jacket at Augusta that we can now look back and perhaps bring a little bit of perspective to it. I can certainly bring perspective, having been there, Bryce. Have you noticed what I'm wearing? I've noticed what you're wearing. Describe for the listeners. wearing a Masters jumper hoodie. $75, I suppose. $75. Let's start with Scotty Scheffler. Now, on our Masters preview episode, which went out the week before the tournament, you made an interesting comment. You didn't want to pick Scheffler as your guy to win. You didn't want to tip him, but it felt like he was the obvious candidate and that he had a look of someone who should win the Masters. Yes. Lo and behold, he did. How... Did he possibly win the Masters? Not just not just with the idiosyncrasies he's got in his swing, but the fact that he's managed to sustain this ridiculous purple patch he's on. That's it. I think he came in with so much confidence. He's probably one of the few that came in bursting with confidence. You think about DJ. DJ's not really started yet. You know, Rory's got all that pressure on him. Spieth, wild. And all the, all the chat was Woods. So it was probably quite a good one to come in as world number one. And I don't think there was actually any expectation on him. And he's the form player in the world. And I think he's moved into a new stratosphere as a golfer. The guy's playing the golf of his life. And he turned up at Augusta and was like he's been before. Just really quite solid. The thing about Scheffler is he didn't make a lot of mistakes. And if you pick up birdies at Augusta and don't make mistakes, you're going to be in with a shout. That's what he did. The thing is, he's playing the best golf of any player in the world right now. But by a, by a long, long way. But it was a big ask for him to come in at Augusta and do that. The guy did. But he's got experience of Augusta before. People forget yeah. that they were treating him as if he was a, <laughs> a debutant. But he, he wasn't. But it's still, his Augusta career is still relatively... Just early. I think that was his third one, yeah. So, but an impressive win. 
So how long can he sustain this? Because it's the, everything's changing, isn't it? Because what did we say? <laughs> well, he had the first win. We're like, okay, he's won once. Yep. That's, that's that duck broken. He's got a second. Well, that's impressive. He then wins a WGC, gets to world number one. It's like, well, he can't possibly do that. He did. Can't possibly win the Masters. He did. That's it. I, I think we said, I just think my exact words were he's playing the best golf of his life. I just don't see him coming into Augusta and doing that. <laughs> and I'll be honest, I don't think anybody did because I Nobody did see did. a lot of people picking Scheffler to win that. So now he's got a different expectation on, on him. Now he's the world number one with all the form and a, a green jacket. And I think, how will he react to that? pressure but you see it doesn't seem to affect him he seems to be just a level-headed guy it won't last but the longer he can keep it going the better because there isn't anyone in any sort of form that's anywhere near him mm-hmm. everything in his game's good and you would struggle to beat him simple as that it almost feels like we can't say that he won't win the pga by the same token, it feels like it's still too much of a stretch. Yes. Do you know what I mean? It's, uh, it's because you've not seen it that often. Peak. Yes, that's you know it. I mean? It's like you're comparing him to doing what Tiger used to do. Yeah. World number one, winning all the tournaments, winning regular PG tournaments, winning WGCs, turning up, winning the Masters, and he's world number one. So it's like we've moved. But, well, we are in a new era. This is it. But so many guys have been in that situation before. You know, you know Kepka was the the foreign player for a while, then it stopped. Yep. So it's not going to last forever. I wouldn't say Morikawa's moved on as we wanted mm, to. He wasn't no, that great no. at the weekend. So I would be picking Scheffler for the PGA. I'm not going to bet against him. And that's it. I'm not sure you would bet on him, but you wouldn't bet against him. No, exactly. Yeah. I can't possibly discuss Sunday at Augusta without mentioning what happened to Cam Smith. Put in a great performance. A lot of people's pick going into the week. It was my pick going into the week. Got off to a great start on the Thursday, quieter, Friday, Saturday. Friday certainly put himself into position on Saturday to be the closest challenger. Then got himself really in the mix on Sunday, and for a while there it looked like he was going to be the guy. Birdied 11, walked onto the 12th tee, and like it so often does, splash, bang, there goes your tournament. Why does the 12th hole, not always, but regularly play a crucial role in the outcome of that tournament? Well, firstly, I, th- I thought his Masters was pretty much over when Scheffler chipped in at the third. Mm-hmm. I thought that killed him. If you think about what could have happened on that hole it, for the benefit of Smith, that was brutal. I think that when that ball hit the back of the net, he his heart must have sunk because it looked like Scheffler was in a tough place. And Scheffler played a really ballsy shot that you don't often see at Augusta. Mm-hmm. And you think, as soon as he hit that, I thought, oh, that could be... Miles away from the flag. And here we go, because I have money in Cam Smith. 12, it happens all the time. Just nerves, hit it fat, aiming at the flag, don't do it. Aim left, aim left, hit it big, whatever. But just a, a lack of experience and a heat of the moment thing. thing is, players now surely know not to go at that flag necessarily. They should know, because there's so many examples of getting it wrong. There's recent examples. 2019, Kepka, Poulter, Finau, Molinari, all of them went at the flag and all of them went in the drink. Mm-hmm. So, you're right, he doesn't have a huge amount of experience at Augusta. He's got some and he's got a good record for what experience he's got. But Cam Smith must know, going at the flag, massive, almost unnecessary risk. 
It's not like that's your last birdie opportunity coming up. No, that's it. So why why be aggressive there? It, I guess that plays with your mind. And it's that's why it's one of the best golf courses in the world because it just creates drama and excitement. I actually didn't think it was that good a Masters. I thought it was a good Masters. I didn't think it was a great Masters. It got a bit repetitive on the Sunday. It just didn't look as though anything was going to happen. One of the most exciting things that happened was Smith. And it was exciting because that was it. And it wasn't like a move forward. It was a move backwards. But it was really the only really dramatic thing that I can think that happened. But Amen Corners just... It's unreal. I love what they've done at 11. I think 11 yeah. was a genius move. I think that's worked really well. Because how many times have you seen... I mean... How often have you seen guys hit their approach in 11 and end up behind the 12th tee? Was it not Dustin Johnson who had to tee off with yeah. somebody's ball behind him? You think that's, that's like Sunday medal stuff. That's just <laughs> mad. But then if you've stood there and you look at that shot that you've got from behind the 12th onto the 11th, it's terrifying. Yeah. I do think that 12 is a scary hole when there's a gun to your head and you're chasing it. Because you know you can't make a mistake. And he did. And it was he said it himself, it was one bad swing. And he hit it fat. And I think that's what Jordan Spieth did. I think Jordan Spieth hit it fat twice. Yes. Molinari just hit a, a dreadful shot. Mm-hmm. But the thing is that it, it has to be the effect of Augusta. Because if you go back to Molinari in 19, Molinari was without, like Scheffler, he was the form player in golf. He was absolutely phenomenal. He was like a robot at Augusta. Walks on to the 12th at Augusta and he's like jelly. Yep. That is what Augusta does. It's just, it messes with your head. Mm-hmm. I think people now know it's coming as well, don't they? Yeah. You know, they know that hole's coming up. It's a pivotal hole. You have to clear the water and so many people haven't and that's been their tournament. So I think that maybe plays in people's minds as well. Maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but to me it just feels like there's a very simple way around it, which is just stay away from the flag. Take your chances elsewhere because you're going to get them. Tiger. We can't not discuss Tiger. There will be people, I'm sure, turning off in their droves because I'm sick of people giving Tiger the attention and all that sort of stuff. Blah, blah, blah. Fine, I get it. That was extraordinary, what Tiger achieved. No doubt about it. 18, 17, 18 months since he had a competitive shot. The one thing I took from it was that he looked older. You know, he's buff up top, but he's got, he's got thin legs. Mm-hmm. And all his power comes from his legs, his bottom half, which means he tired more. He looked tired. But the one thing that made me stand out is that he, he looked he looked humble and appreciative when he came off the course, smiling. He looks like a new man. And I know that sounds cheesy to say that, but he does. He doesn't look like the same guy. Like when he walked off 18, the smiling and the cheering with that people was on Saturday, that's, yep. that's, that's just weird. You don't, you've never seen him like that before. I think his comments and stuff, the way he was addressing people, what he was telling Faldo and in, the, in, the, in their chats, it just, just seems like a different person. Can he win like that? Because that's so different to what he's been for the last quarter century. I think Tiger's proved he can win in pretty much every situation. He can win from, from behind. He can win leading from the front. He can win coming back from injury. He can win coming back from scandal. He's done everything. This is a bigger test. And I I, I still think he's got a lot to he's got a lot to overcome because he looked 
very tired. I know it's his first time and he'll get stronger mm-hmm. and stronger, yeah. but he looked physically exhausted on the Sunday. Even the way he's walking, just he didn't look like Tiger. His swing looks different. He looks like he's he's not able to rotate the way he wants to rotate with his bottom half. He just looks a little bit more restricted, which obviously will tire him out because he's having to manoeuvre his body a way he's not necessarily used to. But you need to remember he got round that golf course and didn't embarrass himself. A lot of guys didn't do that. Look at the guys that he beat. This is it. This is the thing that I'm I'm struggling to to kind of square away when you see people and I know why they do it, and I know I shouldn't listen to what people say on social media, but sometimes I can't help it. And people are saying, well, we finished 47, 48. Yeah. What would Jordan Spieth have given for that? Yeah. Rather be him than Jordan Spieth. Yeah. Kepka, DeChambeau, Shoffley. They didn't make the cut. Tiger, under all the circumstances, and given the context that you have to... You can't just say Tiger finished 47th at the Masters, that Tiger didn't contend. That's not it. You, you, ha- you, you have, have to, to have, take into account the You context. have to have context. You have to have context for everything that he did. Exactly. 500 days. As the way Nick Faldo said that, is if you take 500 days and don't hit a shot, every golfer knows how hard it would be. Yeah. Imagine doing that at Augusta after almost having your leg amputated. Yeah. Imagine doing that at Augusta from being pulled from a car wreck. Imagine doing that at Augusta having warmed up on the beach because you can't warm up in a gym because it's dangerous. All that stuff, it's it's pure madness. But I think it's different at Augusta because he knows that place. There's an inner confidence he's got at Augusta that he can beat that course. He's beaten that course and he, he's, he knows he can do it again. Mm-hmm. Very different when it comes to the PGA. That's going to be different. Do you think he will go to the PGA? Yes. I was literally off my seat when he said, you know, St Andrews, I'm going to St Andrews. Like, yes, <laughs> because that's the excitement we want. I know the RNA. They've sold all their tickets. They're not gonna yeah. they're not uh, gonna bother. Print another ten thousand. But they but they might say yeah. <laughs> but they might they might sell the remaining hospitality if there's any left, which yeah. they'll sell for a good price. TV stuff will go through the roof. Their sponsors will be absolutely delighted. More people will go to the town just to More people will go to the town. Absolutely bang on. It just creates that extra buzz. But it goes to show how far he's thinking in his career. Mm-hmm. He's already thinking three, four months down the line. And I think if he rests, if there's an opportunity to play the PGA, I will be surprised if he doesn't take that. He said he was only going to play the big events. That's the big events. Well, he, there's four of them, really, yeah, as far as he's concerned. He just doesn't want to commit to the PGA already. As we've said before, Tiger loves the drama. It's not... Any better at creating the drama than Woods. And he will probably announce on the Friday of the PGA that he's playing. He also doesn't know how his body's going to respond in the two or three weeks after the Masters. He's just done something that I don't think even he expected to be in a position to do six months ago. So he has to wait and see what the after effects are. So it's quite sensible yeah, to not commit to something that's a month away. You can commit to something that's four months 100%. away. 100%. How do we know what he was like on the Monday and Tuesday? He might have been in severe pain. Because he said to Faldo that his pain was off the charts. Yeah. So it's like the back the back injury was nothing like it. This is worse. So <sighs> unbelievable. And the thing with that is you don't have to like Tiger. I'm not saying like him. I find it a bit weird that people get very upset about his extramarital affairs and they take it quite personally. You know, Unless you're his wife and his family, maybe just chill out on that front. 
But I get it. You feel like you were maybe you sold a dud and all that sort of stuff and you don't like him. That's fine. But you cannot, you absolutely cannot have zero respect for what he did at Augusta. You Sometimes, oh, yeah. grudgingly or otherwise, you have to tip your cap and say, fair play. And that uh, was one of those occurrences right there. Uh-huh. Rory, 18, I think, is going to live in the memory for that, a very you? long time. You loved that. You, well, you know I loved that. I know you loved that. The first thing to say is, what is he doing missing the green? That is that is a bad miss to go in that bunker. I don't care what anyone says. You should not be in that bunker on Sunday. I know Morikawa was as well. We'll get to that. <laughs> bad miss. Absolutely world-class third shot. I mean, that is your shot of the year. Wrapped right up. Stick a bow on it. Question was, done. was it lucky? Of course it was lucky. <laughs> There's an element of luck to it, but you have to put your ball in the right spots to get that luck. And listen. Rory's escape was spectacularly good. No, I'm, Lady I'm, Luck played a role I'm, in Tigers won at 16 and 05. I'm winding you up. That he, he meant to do that. I'm not saying that's luck. I'm winding you up. So I know you're a Rory fan. Yes. But he didn't... He was never in the tournament. And that's what's... We have to have an honest conversation about Rory. When it mattered, he didn't play very well. And it's like the Ryder Cup when the pressure was off and he would freewheel it. He's exceptional. What he has to do is figure out how to do that at all times. Like, take the pressure off. And I think that's one thing about Rory. Rory is affected by pressure. And there's this always this debate that if he plays his best golf, he's better than everyone. I've never bought that. But there is no doubt that when he plays his best golf, he's pretty good. And he's got the mark on that course when he plays well. But the problem was he was never in that tournament. And he got and see him getting tons of heat for another backdoor. I get it, but what it they're does do is top tens and they're shooting sixty four on Sunday. I guess yeah, finish second. Yeah, but what they're what yes, what they're doing, what that does for him, is given the realization that he ain't done. That's the thing about Rory. People saying Rory's finished. Rory isn't finished. He's just struggling to get going. Yeah, you forget where Rory was at the start of COVID. Rory was the best player in the world by a long way. And he's got a lot a lot to come back to. But what this does do is what does it do, Michael? Puts pressure on him again to turn up at the PGA and show what he's got. And what I would like to see from Rory is I would like to see him genuinely contend at the PGA. I want him near two, two, three shots off that lead or leading at the weekend. He can do that we might start seeing Rory believe in himself a bit more. I just think there's a lack of belief at the start of the week. You look at the way he behaved on the golf course on a Sunday compared to the Thursday. Two different guys. His mannerisms, his, his, his chats with Harry. The best Rory is the bubbling, smiley Rory that, that leaves the caddy in the middle of the fairway and he's down poncing off to the green. That's Rory and his pomp. And that was Rory on the Sunday. It's not the Rory on the Thursday. How the hell he does that is a question for Bob Rotella, not for me. <laughs> well, that's an interesting point, though, because we're now talking about psychology as opposed to golf swing, because it seems like Rory has turned a corner with his game in terms of the execution of shots at the right time and not making bad swings, if you like. Still makes bad decisions. Still gets things wrong in terms of the, the, the wrong approach, the wrong strategy. Dubai was a case in point of that. That I, I don't care what anyone says, that was never the right shot. It was no. a bad decision. 
And there were examples of that again at Augusta across the four days. But we're not talking about technical issues so much as just mental lapses. Well, see, I'm not... Yes and no. On the... Was it the Friday or the Saturday? I can't remember. He hit a lot of shots to the right. Ten missed the green to the right. Which he shouldn't do because he's on a downhill lie. And then he hit... He missed the green to the right on 11. And both times <coughs> he turned to Harry and Ziff said, What the hell's going on? Same again. Same again. He did look as though he had a slight issue. It's how re- how re- you react to that all the time. I'm not buying that he doesn't have a technical issue, but I don't think it's huge because you can't go around Augusta. 12 months ago, it was absolutely massive. That's why he was getting other people taking a look at his game. Potentially, yeah. But there's then the argument is, did he need anyone to do that? Because he's not working with that guy now. So does yeah. he need that? Did he need that? Re- I, what I think he wanted was a bit of reassurance from mm. a famous name. And I think that whole thing with JP says you're bloody Rory McIlroy. I think he needed that a wee bit, and that's what a lot of people are wanting to get from Harry. Mm-hmm. But listen, we will know what that tournament has done for Rory when he turns up at Southern Hills. Yeah. Because he's got the ability to go out there and shoot a low number. One thing Rory's got is he's not scared of shooting a low number. That's what Anthony Kim did so well. If yeah. Anthony Kim could shoot low all the time, and that puts the fear of death into players. So if he can do that at Southern Hills, how he reacts to that, I don't know. One thing it gives him as well is a little bit of confidence around Augusta, which I think he's been lacking. You know, fair enough. He played well in 2018, was it, when Reed won? And Rory was out in the final group with him. He played well for three days. Yeah. Didn't play great. Played well. Got himself into a position. His record. And then played very poorly on the yeah. on the Sunday. What he's done now is he shot his best ever round at Augusta. He's finished in the way he finished with the incredible scenes in 18. So he's got good recent memories to fall back on when he returns next year. He's not going back to Augusta in 12 months' time having shot 74. He's going back having shot 64 and finishing the way he did. It's a little bit of momentum. Yeah, a lot of things can happen in 12 months. Momentum. But as far as his yes. relationship with that course goes, he's now got good vibes to run. And I think the big thing about his celebration, that's, that was pure joy. Mm. And yes, it wasn't, oh, it's too late. Exactly. That, that was my reaction. Yeah. That's oh, too late. Well, not for Rory. Rory got a kick out of that, which gives him the momentum to go into his next event and, and push on. Yeah. Interesting that even though he made a bit of a hash of 15 and didn't capitalise on 16 with a great pin there on a Sunday, didn't pick up shots on either of them. Wouldn't have mattered. He would no. have got to within a shot of Scheffler. No. So you're quite right. He didn't contend when it mattered. What he did was on a different level, not on the tournament, on a personal level, he's done something for himself that could be very significant yes. going forward. Uh-huh. Phil Mickelson, apparently, according to Fred Ridley, Phil wasn't asked to stay away. Phil chose to stay away. Was he missed? The reason that I ask you that, the obvious answer would be no, because I bet you didn't think about it much across the week. But you also say... It wasn't a great Masters. Yeah, I didn't. Would it have been better with his involvement? Well, hell, it would have been a lot more interesting. Put it that way. Yeah, there's no doubt he was missed. The guy's a big deal. And if he's turning up at these tournaments, if he's not done yet and he's going to play again, the media attention on that is going to be ferocious. He's going to have to face the press. He's probably going to have to apologise again. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to say something that we're all going to love because it's pure Phil theatre. I, of course he was missed. But it's not as if we're looking back in sadness at that Masters because Phil wasn't there. I thought about him maybe three or four times across the week. 
Yeah. And when I did, each time it was, I'd rather he was here. Uh-huh. But I very quickly got over it. If Tiger hadn't been there, because there's been Masters when Tiger hasn't shown up in recent years, and I've missed him the entire week, it's like, this tournament needs Tiger Woods. Yeah. That tournament didn't need Phil. It would have been better for yeah. him. He's entered US Open qualifying. Not qualifying, he's entered the US Open, hasn't he? Yes. I think that's just a procedural thing, isn't it? It's just a bit of housekeeping. Couple more points in the Masters before we move on. Sandy Lyle and his fellow 50-something former champions. A lot of buzz around that at Augusta. It's the same old story. Those guys don't really do anything for the tournament. They don't play for rounds. All of them that were playing over the age of 50, who were there solely on past champion status, missed the cut. They were a combined 200-odd over par, averaging 9 over par. The one that seemed to get it in the neck most certainly on social media was Sandy Lyle. People saying, oh, enough, step away, you're embarrassing yourself. I don't think he did. Sandy didn't shoot 90s. No, he, he had didn't. one round in the 80s and one round in the high 70s. So he's not embarrassing himself. No. But he's not really making that tournament any better, is he? No, but that's the thing about the Masters. It's his right, it's their right to let them play until they drop dead in the middle of the fairway, basically. <laughs> that's, that's what it is. I'm sorry, but it is. You know, they can just keep playing until you can't take the club back. Uh-huh. But I just think, what's what's the point? Yeah. Come and play the par three. Because he isn't competitive. The whole thing about he's taking somebody's place, he's not. Nonsense. He's not. That spot is his until he says, I don't want it uh-huh. anymore. That's the way the Masters it, works. And then if he decides to quit, then, you know. He says he's going to play one more time. Yeah, fair play to him. He's competing to the point where it will become a real struggle. At the moment, he's able to get it round. But the other thing is, it's it's a major tournament. Well, that's my you know, thing. And it's grossed and hot, and he's wearing a waterproof jacket <laughs> that's qu- quarters it at the bottom. I can't. Sandy, and he's wearing his braces again, you think? And those shoes. What's going on? What is going on? There are shades of grey when it comes to embarrassing yourself. He's not embarrassing himself in terms of the scores he's posting, but... The get-up is unacceptable. You are... It's getting harder and harder to remember the Sandy Lyle that won on that Yeah, what I want to know is, does Sandy know there's a merchandise shop at Augusta? Because he's not got a sponsor. I know. Well, he must, because he wore open-branded gear at Carnoustie when he said farewell in 18. Why, why is he not Why is he not hitting the, the pro shop and buying all the exclusive jumpers with three-quarter zip and wearing them? Like they can, you can buy waterproof jackets in there. Sandy, get in there. I do have that feeling that they're never going to do it, so it's almost a moot point. Augusta looks after its past champions better than anyone else. Yeah, yeah. It's not going to happen. Would it be a better tournament if they did put an upper age limit on the so-called old guys? Better's subjective. Would it be more competitive? Yes. I think there's an element of the older generation like to see them as the younger. If you notice, it's the younger guys that don't want them there anymore. My personal thoughts is I would like to see Sandy walk up 18 for the last time and get appreciation for him from in the world. What he did. And have that moment. Yeah. All the guys that we've grown up like Nicholas, Palmer, Watson, they've all had that moment. Crenshaw had it where they yeah, walked up, you know, yeah, good even point. Faldo at yep. St Andrews, they had that moment where they got the adoration. Sandy's not had that. And I would like him to have that at Augusta before it just becomes like he's signing for a 96. <laughs> yes. Charles Coody, yes. I don't want that. 
Yeah, he deserves his he deserves his farewell. He's not going to get it at the Open because he's not eligible anymore. His last yep. chance is the Masters. He has said this far out, twelve months out. Next year's my last one. I don't know if Fred Ridley listens to this podcast, but if he does, he really should. Chairman Ridley, to Chairman Ridley, yeah, Mr. Chairman, please do something for Sandy next year. Yeah, I was there actually when he finished up on the Friday. Barely even got a round of applause. There was no. nobody there. No, it's no, just I think that disappointing. So, final thoughts then. I think you kind of covered it, but great masters, no. Good masters, maybe. Boring masters. Good masters, no. I wouldn't say it was a boring master. Good masters. It just, it got a bit of a kick in the stomach when he when he chipped in. Not necessarily because I didn't want Scheffler to win. I'm sure if his guys had money off and they'd be jumping off their seats, but it's just that sort of stuck it early doors, and I thought that could be a turnaround. Nah. He made too a... many birdies on the back nine on Friday, and that kind of put a bit of a pin in the Masters balloon. But I will say this. The course, for all the, the grandpas out there who are moaning about <laughs> technology, that course withstood it again. Don't see guys going around there shooting 59. The best anyone shot was 64. Never yep. even a sniff of a 62, 63. Yep. Never anywhere near it. And I know they got the weather, but that's what you need in golf. Right then, Podder of Merit. Bryce, we have a lot to catch up on, on the Podder of Merit. Do we have to catch up on it? Yes, please. Actually, three of them, because the last proper pod that we did was a couple of weeks back, three weeks ago, and that was in advance of the Valero Texas Open and Chevron Championship, so we need to cover that. And in our Masters preview, we also made picks for the Masters. So there's three tournaments that we have to catch up on. For those following this, the standings going into it were 6-5 to yours truly. Bryce, you had the honour for all three. Valero Texas Open, you went for Corey Connors. He finished in a tie for 35th. I went for Jordan Spieth, the defending champion there. He finished in a tie for 35th. No uh, points. No, no count back, no. Yeah. Since when has that been a rule? Since I didn't win the bloody point. You realise there's a chance that I may... Yes, yeah. let's not bother. So let's move on. The Chevron... Bryce, what a surprise. You went for Jin Young Ko to win. She picked a bad week to have a bad week. Absolute chopper. (laughs) Tied. She's useless. Tied for 53rd. I went for Georgia Hall, who briefly challenged, actually, Mm -hmm. early doors, and finished in a tie for 13th point for me, 7-5. Brings us to the Masters. Bryce, you went for... Many people's pre-tournament favourite, Justin Thomas. Tie for eighth. Ooh, that's going to take some beating. I went for Cam Smith, who finished in the tie for third. I believe that's because I told you to go for Cam Smith, but that's fine. You should start picking the guys that you tell me I to know, go for. I know. Now it means the standings and podder of merit. Bryce, five. Michael, eight. A bit of daylight. Opening up once again. So this week, we could have gone for the Zurich Classic in New Orleans, but I made an executive decision here, and I can't be bothered. I hate that tournament. I hate the format, this whole team thing. Let's have walk-on music. Just stop it. Enough. So instead, we are showing some love to our pals at the DP World Tour with the ISBS Handa Championship in Spain. So the honour is mine, the Lakes course at Infinitum in Tarragona. 
I can honestly say I have I've never, never heard, heard of that. that. Golf course in my life. It must have opened up in the last eight months. Quite possibly. So that's where the DP World Tour is this week. Ewan Ferguson's playing his first event since winning the Qatar Masters. Bernd Wiesberger's an interesting option. I mean, I actually don't think I've seen him since the Ryder Cup. No. Fallen off the face of the earth. Torbjorn Olsson in there as well, but I am not going for... He's fallen off his seat. Is that an airplane air yeah. gag? Right, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, I got you. <laughs> See, yeah. Got you, got Brilliant. you, got you. Sorry. <laughs> for the benefit of lawyers who may be listening, that was a joke. Yep. So instead, I am going for... I'm going for Nikolai Hoygaard. Yes! That's my man. I nearly went for his brother. <sighs> Nikolai for the win. Who are you going for, Mr. Ritchie? Pablo Rolafabal. Okay. Doing some good form. He'd be a home winner as well. I'd like to see that. Yeah. That's what I'm going He's to. been playing pretty well, actually. Yes, he has. So, yeah, lots of other good names in the field. Ashen Wu, Ryan Fox, Rasmus Hoygaard, Jorge Campillo, Sammy Balamaki, Victor Perez, Stephen Gallagher's pegging it up this week. Thomas Bjorn is going to be there as well. So, interesting week in store. Nikolai, did I say Nikolai? Yeah, Nikolai Hoygaard versus Pablo Larathabal. That is where the points will be shared this week. Bryce, honesty box to finish up. What about the career money list? Oh, thanks for the reminder. Yes, I, I actually do have a big bit of red pen there pointing to quiz answers. Well done, well done. This is actually quite, I'm just potentially struggling with this. So the question was, can you name the top 10 players on the PGA Tour career money list, given that Jordan Spieth has put himself into position in 11th place. Who are the other 10? And tell you what, see if you can list them in order, Bryce. No, I'll be even ha- more impressed. That's not going to happen. Right, so, I've got my answers. Crack on. Woods? Yep. Rory? Yes, he's in 6th place. Shit, is he? Yes. Mickelson? 2nd. VJ? 5th. Els? No. Damn. Garcia? Yep, 10th. Adam Scott? Yes, brilliant, beautiful. Bubba? Damn. Now, this is a strange one, and I don't see how he deserves it, but I'm throwing it out there anyway. Jason Day? No, he was 11th last week, and Spieth overtook him. So, very nearly, <sighs> but wrong. You've got four to get. It's not easy. You're missing the guys in third, fourth, eighth, oh, and ninth. Furick? Fourth. Zach Johnson? No. Oh, sorry. Uh, DJ? Third, yes. Justin Thomas isn't going to be in there, is he? Nope. No. <sighs> You've got two names to get. I'm going to give you three more guesses. Are they American? One is. Lee Westwood? No. Damn. That's one of your guesses. Got Bollocks. Two to go. Stricker? No. One guess remaining. I know I'm not going to like this. Don't know. Okay. No further guesses. In eighth place, Justin Rose. Oh. And in ninth, Matt Kutcher. Oh, the money man. The money man. Money. The no wonder he's, so he's in there because he doesn't pay anyone <laughs> any money. <laughs> Not bad though. Eight out of ten. 
I had you getting maybe six or seven. I didn't see you getting Adam Scott, I'm being honest. I would love to get Adam Scott. I'm sure you would. What was his get-up all about? The you know what, I like, I like the styling, and I think it's now a deliberate move. That's a classy PR move from The Boy, because he's now got everyone talking about his clothes. His sponsor's going to love it. He's a clever guy, Adam. He's not just a pretty face. It's Adam, is it, I? Uh-huh. It's not just a pretty face. Guys get, this guy's clever. Well, you can tell him that next time you share a dinner. You're not just a pretty face. You're really clever the too. Intelligent as well. And I love what you're reading. Right, honesty box to finish up. Scotty Scheffler is the latest first-time major winner in golf. Notice how we'd never really talked about that during the week because it didn't really matter. It was totally irrelevant. Yep. But for the purposes of this, it is entirely relevant. <laughs> <laughs> so, who is the next first-time major winner going to be? Who, if if I gave you ten pounds right now to take to the bookies and put it on, who are you spending it on? You would have to probably say Cam Smith, but the PGA is a funny one. The PGA mm-hmm. tends to have a tickets to give a lot of people their first major. So I would probably say. Do you not see Cam Smith playing well there? Yeah, yeah, I do. But then there's Patrick Cantley. You know, he's actually. I think he's a good player. I think has he not lost two playoffs this year? Yeah. Lost at the the weekend there to Spieth yep. and to Scheffler, Scheffler at Phoenix. At Phoenix, his major record's not great. It's not they? great, but he is an exceptional player. We never talk about him on this podcast. He no. must be the highest ranked player that gets the least amount of coverage. Not just Rob, with us, but I others think it's as well. probably because he looks like he works in a library. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. You feel like you would walk up to Patrick Cantley instead of asking him about his round, you'd ask him where the Scottish history uh, section he is. He looks like when he, when ever even if he holds a putt or misses a putt, it looks like somebody's just told him his dog's died. <laughs> Honestly, he just the guy, poor guy, needs some excitement. He doesn't life. radiate warmth, does he? No, just looks a bit. I uh, oh, another player. Uh, well, if he won the green jacket, he would question whether it fits. <laughs> Lent in the sleeves by an inch <laughs> So he might be okay. One you would suspect But Probably someone like Connors or Straka I'll probably go Actually I'll go with uh, Straka That's a good shout A guy who's Come really from Yeah yeah Nowhere There's a lot of guys in this, uh, We are Genuinely in a new era Yeah And there's a lot of guys That have come out In the last six months That are not Not come out Not flashing the pan Yeah If you look at Scheffler Scheffler's first win was this year. It's done reasonably well. <laughs> he was one of those guys that has yet to step into the winner's box and did it. Did yeah. it. So, yeah, I would go for Straka. Interesting. I actually didn't see you going there. I did think you were going to go Cam Smith or Patrick Cantley. Straka's an interesting choice. Yeah, Cantley just doesn't... I mean, he's obviously, it's a bit unfair to say he doesn't look like a closer, but and he's missed two playoffs. He's got to get uh-huh. in there. And he's, you know, playoffs are funny things. But... He just doesn't have much of a major uh-huh. resume. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know what you mean. Who are you going for? There's three names that immediately spring to mind. And two of them I'm dismissing because I don't think they've got any real form. Although I do think... Do I think they'll even win a major in their careers? Right, so the names anyway. Tony Finau's one. Not a great deal of form. Xander is another. Oh, yeah. Absolutely no form whatsoever. Don't even remember seeing him at Augusta. He only had two days to see him, mind you, because he missed the cut. 
The last one is the one I'm going to go for. Sam Burns. Yeah, good player. Because he is exactly that. Good player. I don't care. He missed the cut at the Masters. It was his first time. He yeah, did exactly yeah. what first-timers are meant to do. Yeah, yeah. I know we spoke about him in the pod as a guy who might be the one to break the duck. But we wouldn't have been surprised if he'd honked it. Yeah, exactly. So he did what he was meant to do. I, I, I like everything about him. I don't see weaknesses. And he's only going to get better and better. He's still very young. He's won multiple times now on the on the PGA Tour. If they ever get round to staging, uh, let's say a PGA or a US Open at Innisbrook, put your money on him. Seems to like the golf course. But he's just, for me, he is what Scotty Scheffler was 12 to 18 months ago, mm-hmm. making the right strides, heading in the right direction. He just needs to follow Scheffler's trajectory and I'll get there. I wouldn't be surprised if he won the PGA. Like you say, it throws up some funny winners sometimes. Mm-hmm. I've seen he's a funny winner. He would be a bit of a surprise, but yeah, yeah I, I could see him winning it. Yep. You just wrote something down, was that? Yeah, I'm just looking at the guys, that just four English players that you think their careers are phenomenal that never won a major. Casey Westwood, Poulton and Donald. Yeah. Never won a major. I think Westwood, did he, Westwood not finish something like in the top five and three or f- five majors or in a row or yeah. something? He was just right in, in amongst it, but never got it done. Then you've got other guys like Matt Fitzpatrick, who he's, he's actually got such a good CV. Even back to his amateur days, you, you're, you don't win the US amateur being no. anything other than a spectacular golfer. He's won big events as a pro Hasn't really done anything in majors so far. No. But see again, if he won, uh, uh, let's say, well, the, the US Open this year, it's going to Brookline. I think that's where he won the US Amateur. I wouldn't be surprised if he had the positive vibes and showed up there and no. did it again. Yeah. Victor Hovland. I mean, there's there's another guy who we were talking about non-stop two months ago. Is he not partnering with Morikawa this week in that pairings? That, uh, is it, is it the Zurich Zurich Classic? Yeah, is he yeah. not partnering with Morikawa? Imagine you come up against Morikawa in those days. Terrifying. I know. Other guys like Billy Horschel, has he got a major in him? I just think the way he puts just something's just not right. The same with you know Salatoris. Salatoris has got great game. But there's just something about him when he gets on that putting green and you think uh-huh. and, and he holds some good putts at Augusta. But there's a reason why he's doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, just gives you the fear. He does. Lots to look forward to over the coming weeks and months. We will be Getting back to you more regularly. I apologise again that we missed last week. What can I say? Flying back from Augusta is not for everyone, Bryce. How many Augusta jumpers did you buy? One jumper, two t-shirts, and a couple of things from a wee girl. And that was it. I didn't go crazy. I spent a lot of money, but a lot of it I'm getting back. Which reminds me, you owe me 67 quid. Yeah, I owe you money. (laughs) The t-shirt that you bought my wee boy... He was at his golf lessons last night. And you know what? He didn't wear it because he didn't want to get it dirty. See, I quite like that. Class. Yeah. Looking Class. after his gear. Yep. Not like me. I'm, you're going to be seeing a different Augusta National bit of branded merchandise every day this week. Sure, so yeah. look forward to that. Bryce, thank you as always Pleasure. for your time. Great insights as ever. And thank you to you for listening. We will be back next Monday with more of the same. Until then, have a great week. Bye bye for now.